Welcome to the show, everyone, tonight. Welcome to uh, Renegade Podcast. I have Duke here with me and also Wes. Wes, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing well, doing well. How about you, big guy? How you doing, Duke? Hey, Woody and Wes. Doing good, brothers. Well, here we are, man. It's almost Christmas. I got a little story for you guys I want to share. You know, being so close to Christmas this time of year, yeah, I feel really bad a lot of times for homeless people, uh, people that uh, are a little bit less fortunate than some than some of us. I actually had a guy come to my house tonight, and he was asking for prescription drugs, uh, asthma inhaler for his children. To me, I, I hate to judge people, but to me, it looked like he was high as a kite, and I feel really bad for people like that. And you know what? Christmas is a tough time of the year for a lot of people, and it's it's supposed to be this joyous time of the year. But you know what? There's a lot of people going through some hard times. Hopefully the guy, I, I didn't really have anything to give him. I gave him what I could, but uh, hopefully things work out for him. And it's just a reminder to everybody out there, if you can take a moment to help some of the people that are less fortunate, let's do so. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of homeless people. I've donated some clothes like you guys. I get my work boots completely paid for. So I dropped some of those off that, you know, they're only not even halfway used. So anyways, let's, let's think about some of the people who are less fortunate and move on to some more happy topics or happier topics, let's say. Did he think your place was the hospital? I, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> and we had this conversation the other day. Uh, we had a lot of snow. We've had this, this freeze, the snows came in and I went to pick my son up the other morning and he came home. It was still dark out. And I noticed there was footsteps. There was tracks. They were going through the front yard to the front of my house, the front door, the back around the side to the gate. And it looked like somebody was scoping my place out. So when this guy showed up uh, a couple of days, you know, this is a couple of days ago. So when he showed up today, I was like, uh, I feel a little uncomfortable now. You know, I feel a little comfortable. Is this the same guy that was here a few days ago? And it was funny. As soon as I shot him down, all of a sudden I heard this truck like in a very like he punched it, like hauled ass out of the neighborhood and heard him go down the street. And I live on a corner. So it's a corner of a, a kind of a, a main street, I guess I'd say. And uh, he was hauling ass out of there. And, it, you know, I was a little concerned. I was thinking, man, let's when I left tonight, I was like, make sure all the doors are locked. And, and uh, you know, but uh, my dog, my Cheyenne, she didn't want anything to do with this guy. This guy. He, she didn't like him at all. So it's going to be interesting. I hope, I hope everything's in place when I get home tonight uh, and everything's okay. And I hope I just wasn't targeted because I live on the corner of a street and it looked like a fast getaway. But well, you know, on that subject, there are people out there that really sincerely do need help. And there are places that uh, will take care of the homeless people in just about every town. And they always need help around Christmas time and during the winter because there's a lot more people who show up to shelters when it's super cold out and they can't be somewhere else without freezing to death. So they're always understaffed this time of the year. And if any, anybody out there feels like they want to go out and help others that they don't know, there is a good place to start. Well, let's move on to some other things. Uh, you guys heard about the uh, cosmic pulse that's headed our way towards Earth? Bad space weather. A star quake. Yeah, it's supposed to be the uh, the biggest star. What do they call it? They actually did call it a star quake, didn't they, Duke? Yeah, it's a star, a star quake. It's just like if, imagine a wave on the ocean. Imagine there's a big shock. And the shock hits us way, way, way before the wave actually gets here. But this is the wave from the magnetar that it threw out finally getting here. The shock got here in like 2004. It flashed so brightly, um, it it, uh, lit up the whole dark side of the earth for a tenth of a second, which is how it tipped them off something was going on. And uh, they've been looking in that direction ever since. And, yeah, they're expecting the wave of uh, cosmic radiation to hit here between the 25th and 27th. Yeah, it was actually so bright, it, uh, it bounced off the Earth and lit up the moon. And I guess, you know, Wes and I were talking a little bit about this earlier. The biggest question is, is what, what is going to be the aftermath of something like this? Are we expecting, they said it was gamma rays. To me, that you know, I think of, uh, you know, the Incredible Hulk. But gamma rays are really radiation, I believe, that are, are coming from the star. So, yeah, it's all different radiation. It's, it's radiation, but it's different kinds of radiation. There's cosmic background radiation in space that's always dangerous. When specific kinds of stars have big uh, epic problems, they start giving off gamma ray bursts. Certain types do it all the time. Gamma rays are more damaging than seemingly some of the others are, but not an expert on space radiation. Yeah, I'm not either, and I'm not an astronomer either. So I, you know, I'm kind of just going based off a couple things that I read, but. One of them was that 
part of the aftermath of, of this may be well, I guess what's going to happen is it's going to affect the magnetosphere, which is surrounds the Earth and uh, controls. I guess the, I don't know if it affects the, the uh, magnetic poles or exactly what it affects, but uh, there could be earthquakes to come with this. There could be, you know, tsunamis that come after the earthquakes, and so it's it's a little bit concerning. Uh, and I'm surprised that we haven't heard more about it on the mainstream news. Uh, oh well. Yeah, but look who's controlling them. <clears throat> well, the uh, the warning that's been, th- been getting through the not mainstream news is that people that live right on the coastline or in geologically active places are the ones that need to actually worry. And another thing that I, w- I read as well, uh, it was a good point that uh, Wes brought up uh, earlier when him and I were sitting around kind of talking, was uh, what about all our, our electronics? Our electronics yes, I haven't heard anything that they're expecting the pulse to be big enough to amount to something like a EMP type event that'll actually wipe out the electronics. Although it's certainly possible, and they're just not telling us about it. That could be. That could be. But it's you know it's one of those things. Uh, you know, is Armageddon around the corner? I, yeah, not quite sure. A lot of these alternative news, if you listen to them, it sounds like Armageddon's coming. But I guess to, for me, and maybe the audience already knows this, but for me, so a star blew up. And it's the shock wave that's hitting us. Is that what's coming? No, it didn't exactly blow up. Just a uh, magnetar is puts out pulses, gigantic pulses of radiation, on a somewhat regular basis. I guess, um, from what I understand, I'm not an expert on magnetars, but it's not like a star blowing up. That would be a nova or a supernova. This thing actually is still there, and every so often it'll throw off another gigantic burst. And it's like some of these stars do it, and they throw out a giant gamma burst every time. And if you're anywhere near them in space, astronomically speaking, uh, your planet is dead because anything that could potentially live on it will get wiped out every time one of these bursts happens. Yeah, I, and for people that want to look it up, I, I'm sure you could probably look up the name of the star. Uh, it's called SRB 1806 uh, <laughs> 20. It sounds, it's, it's, you know, they have these long oh, names. That's a creepy name. Yeah, so that's the name of the star. If you want to look it up online, it probably gave you more information about it. Or if you just probably put in Cosmic Pulse uh, headed towards Earth, you can probably find more info on that. It, it's a scary time, fellas. I don't know. You know, it's funny that it's coming towards the holidays, uh, the 25th and the 27th. And also, in these last few weeks, there have been many reports of earthquakes more than normal, I guess. I don't know how to say that. Earthquakes more yeah. than normal. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, between the three of us, but it's definitely something to, you know, to be concerned about. You have plenty of time to uh, lose sleep over non-important things. Uh, (laughs) Did you guys hear? I'm just wondering if the area of space that our solar system is going through right now might uh, inadvertently provide us with some protection from it, because we're going through an area that the astronomers are calling uh, um, local fluff, which is a, a dense area of space that has... Uh, higher than average radiation levels in it already, and um, so, <clears throat> and it's about thirty light years across, so which means we're going to be in it for a while. So you, it makes me wonder if this other burst of radiation is going to be slowed down by hitting all these particles as it comes toward us, or if it's going to make it worse, or what's going to happen with something like that. Yeah, that's one point Woody brought up. He was talking about how. It seems like it would hit other planets before hitting the Earth, but it seemed like it was right in our direct path. It's coming mm-hmm. right for us. And one of the things they're worried about is the magnetic field. And it makes you wonder when it hits that, and if it damages that, what does that mean to us? I guess the biggest question that no one can answer right now is, what's going to happen? Is this going to well, be like Well, it's interesting to notice that after the last one that we had, which was, uh, you know, not the biggest ever, like they're calling this one, I think was like in 2004 or something. And it was like shortly right after that, that they discovered that parts of the um, ozone layer had been, uh, were gone. Like it had been stripped away from the planet, blown off by all this, uh, the solar radiation coming through and knocking it away from the earth. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's it. That was, so that was actually a theory that that may have been what happened with Mars because it doesn't have very much gravity to hold its atmosphere, and if it got hit by a big cosmic wave like that, it might have knocked the atmosphere completely off the planet. 
Yeah, that is interesting. And and so in the the one in 2004, this was from the same I guess I don't understand. So it it sent one off back in 2004 and then it's just sent one off again or are we getting Just think of it like if you ever seen a video of like a long range um, video of a nuclear test. First there's like an initial flash. And then you see a shockwave go across the ground toward the camera and then you see a mushroom cloud in the background. The initial flash hit us in 2004. The shockwave is just getting here. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yes. I got gotcha. you. So the same, what it did is it basically exploded in 2004. We saw the light for a tenth of a The light traveled. Saw the light for a tenth of a second on the planet, which tipped us off. And now, from that explosion, we're just now getting the... Yeah, uh, and they've been watching it getting closer and closer, which is why they're actually pretty, you know... They're they're narrowing it down to like a three day window right now, which is kind of weird because 2004 you think we would have heard it about it before, you know 2016 here we are in December of two, almost 2017 and now we're just hearing about it. Well, they want to make sure that you know we've got at least what um, a day to prepare. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's NASA. As we discussed on the last show. Yeah. That sounds about right. Hey, make well, a, I better make start it. digging that bunker. See you guys. <laughs> Gives you enough time to make a sandwich and uh, have Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas guys. Yeah. I wonder why NASA didn't put out a challenge like we discussed on last show. Yeah. Hey, we got this cosmic wave coming our way. Yeah. <laughs> How do we reflect this back the other way? <laughs> a little out bit. of our magnetosphere. How do we keep it from even getting into the heliosphere of the solar system? So I wonder what that would do to satellites. Well, a lot of them are shielded against the background radiation, but there's still times when there's storms in space that they have to actually um, change which direction the, the satellite is pointing to protect it from something coming through, and it'll go offline for a little while, and then they'll give it orders to go back into position again. But they've gotten better and better at, at making satellites that are proof to this kind of stuff. But, you know, again, biggest starquake ever recorded, so how do they know exactly what's going to happen? Yeah, I guess that's the part where I get lost on a little bit. They don't seem to be too worried about satellites, but everything I read online, they're worried about the magnetic pole. If it's going to damage the magnetic pole, you I mean, you would think the satellites would be damaged. I mean, I don't work for NASA, but... Well, I mean, this definitely is not the poop challenge, but... Uh yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't even know how to answer Yeah, it's above my pay grade, although it is interesting to note that the poles have been wandering and that the North Pole has moved 450 miles towards Siberia, and we're at a six-degree uh, different angle now than we used to be like 12, 15 years ago. So there's already movement in the poles, and maybe they think that adding that on top of this, it'll cause geologic instability, we may get plates shifting and the whole damn ball of wax out of it. I don't know what they're thinking. They won't tell us, you know. Woody and I were just sitting here talking about it before going on air. And one of the things I said to him was, if they don't tell us anything, that almost makes me more worried than if they were just putting out BS information. Like, this mm-hmm. is coming. Everyone's going to be A-OK. Don't worry about it. But they're not even saying that. They're just not saying yeah. really anything. And does that make me wonder, do they not want to create a panic that's scary well, even the most um tentative attempts on the uh insider info alternate right um alternate info front that i've seen to explain it basically says that it's going to be a bunch of background radiation more than we're used to um for people that are like over 50 it's really not going to matter that much for people that are younger and are breeding age it may cause problems there may be dna breakage there may be really severe problems in the younger people that get this whole dose and then ongoing doses in the future as we're traveling through this local fluff cloud of higher than usual background uh, radiation anyway. And then if it's like a real big hit and we're already having problems with the magnetic poles, um, you know, it could strip away an appreciable part of the atmosphere too, which could be a real big worry. One of the comments after I posted it was uh, the magnetic field being adjusted like that is – you know, it could definitely affect uh, our electronics. It could affect uh, – it affects a whole bunch of things. And, you know, with the media not, media not talking about it, it is kind of scary. You know, like, yeah. us, like you said, do you wait till the last minute? You know, yeah. enough time to pack a bottle of water this, in the it's, sandwich? It isn't like it hasn't been happening for a while, too. This whole polar drift thing has been going on for years and years. 
Um, it's already sort of a well-known unreported fact that a bunch of the airports had to actually change their orientation from where they had it set up as True North being wasn't anymore. And they had to make the necessary changes so that they didn't like fly planes into a marsh nearby or something like that. And they'd actually land in the right area. So, you know, <clears throat> the the powers that be know that there's been changes of where the North Magnetic Pole is. So and they're not telling everybody that either. And it kind of raises the question. We've been talking about Antarctica, Antarctica a little bit. Uh, is it is it going to affect Antarctica? Is that why we're visiting Antarctica in the recent days? Wow, there's so much weird stuff going on in con uh, connection to Antarctica right now. I mean, uh, I was just looking at, uh, you know, in addition to the cosmic wave thing, the last couple of days I've been finding some really strange reports about missing people in Antarctica that just, they're just, well, the, the second one you can kind of figure out maybe what happened. The first one, oh man, I don't know, it's really weird. It happened back in 1965. So you figure in 65 there wasn't a gigantic number of polar bases or anything. This guy is named uh, Carl Robert Disch, D-I-S-C-H. He vanished from his Antarctic substation post on May 8th, 9, uh, 9.40 in the morning, 1965. Uh, he works for the uh, National Bureau of Standard Science in their radio noise building. Now, what he was down there for is he was an ionospheric physicist, and he was investigating strange VLF radio noises and why there should be strange VLF radio noises coming from down there uh, I don't know the answer to that one but anyway he called, he, uh, he had done this like several dozen times before gone between the main building and this outbuilding so he called his co-workers on the phone to say hey, hey I'm coming your way over to the main base which is about a mile away and they've actually got a line of poles with a tether line all the way there so no matter how bad the uh, weather is or anything, you can keep on that tether line and make it back to the building. So when he goes out of the building, he's supposed to go south to where the main base is, about a mile walk. And it's bad weather. It's, uh, you know, your typical ridiculous cold, but 20 to 30 knot winds, too. So it's blowing snow around and stuff. And they wait about, you know, half an hour. He doesn't show up. They wait 45 minutes. Now they're getting worried. Well, then they send some searchers out to look for him. Well, this guy basically walked off the face of the earth, and here's the skinny on it. He was supposed to head south on this tether line. For some reason, he went west toward their air, uh, their air landing strip, and they found his tracks. They just walked four miles, uh, you know, in a real straight line, not like he was uh, um, disoriented or anything. And with a long stride, purposeful, like he was walking towards something, and then at the end of the four-mile track, they just disappeared. You know, and this isn't somewhere where there's like roll in the landscape or trees or it's a flat ice sheet for miles and miles and miles and miles. They spent the next two weeks trying to find this guy. Um, they searched 35 square miles around their base. They had the Huskies out there and the Huskies, if they even see a mound in the snow, they're digging in it trying to see what it is. And they got a great sense of smell. If he had fallen down frozen to death and was lying there somewhere, they would have found him. And in those conditions, he couldn't have walked further than where they searched. So that one is just bizarre. And since 1965, there still hasn't been any kind of an answer to that one from anyone as to what could have happened to that guy. We'll talk a little bit about more about Antarctica when we come back. Welcome back to the show. We were just talking to Duke about Antarctica. And uh, Duke, go ahead and finish where you left off. Yeah, like I mentioned, they did a really extensive search for this guy. He was lost um, on May 8th, and they searched for him, weather allowing, continuously on and off um, the entire time until May 14th before they finally gave up the search. They had covered a 35-square-mile area around uh, the base, and even using the dogs uh, to sniff in the snow and the whole thing. And no, the Husky's got a good sense of smell, folks. Um, you know, one of the locals down there that had actually been on the search team said that, hey, if there was somebody that had frozen to fallen over in the snow, uh, something like that, the Huskies would have found their corpse. 
So I wonder, um, I wonder just, does it does it kind of pique your interest as far as oh okay look this guy we looked we looked for him for a week we never a bit almost a week we looked yeah. for him for almost a week we've had the dogs out dogs have found absolutely nothing uh, it kind of piques the interest with all the strange things that are going on down there could it be possible uh, alien abduction I don't know is it too far fetched Oh God! There's so much strange stuff that going on down there. I almost even hesitate to try and venture a guess as to what could have done something like that. But the fact remains that the Huskies couldn't find his body. They found his trail. They followed his trail four miles in the wrong damn direction, going west instead of south, and then his trail just ended. And there's never been a uh, actual, you know, answer or even a decent guess as to what could have happened to this guy. And this is way back in 1965. So, yeah, Antarctica has always been the land of extremely weird. And now here's an even more extremely weird one. There's a California TV crew, apparently for a production team called Atlantis Video, who went down to Antarctica and disappeared. And this was in 2002. This was reported by Jonathan Graham on his... uh, archaeology newsflash blog that's his little newsletter um the extensive ancient ruins had actually been found down there under the antarctic ice they had tunneled down about two miles to this one um area of ruins and uh the uh the film crew had apparently without permission somehow found out about this gotten their own way down there and we're in there filming in this underground where they were doing these excavations and then either vanished, according to one source, or, according to another source, uh, were last seen with uh, military, with Navy SEALs escorting them out of the area. But in either case, they have not been seen since. The um, According to the one version of the story, the government actually admitted that they found a video, apparently, that these guys had filmed quite some time later. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. I believe it was at a Russian station. Yeah, Russia's Vostok station, an abandoned uh, station for refueling. And they had found this video just there. Um, Did they say what was on the video? Well, you know, there's the whole thing. Who found it? Well, the government. So. Right. Who's getting to look at it? Apparently, there was two people on the team that did look at it and wouldn't say too much about it. Now, to go back before I go too far with the story, how did they know there was these ruins down there? Well, as some of you out there may have been paying attention if you're interested in Antarctica, they've had a satellite that keeps making passes over the South Pole that's been scanning Antarctica for about seven years to try and compile a a deep surface scan underneath the ice itself to get a real good idea of what the layout of the surface of the ground is that now has ice all over it in some places like two miles thick. So they could get a good good idea of what the continent of Antarctica looks like without an ice sheet on it. In the process of doing this, they found several anomalies that just did not look natural. And according to this story, they dug down to one of them. And what they found on there was uh, uh, trees, uh, plants, Place to see in animals and buildings that all looked they, like they had been crushed, like a huge weight of, you know, ice had been dropped on them, like they had been like instantly frozen and and crushed under the weight of all this ice, which is just incredibly bizarre. The Atlantis video crew got into the dig, apparently filmed a bunch of this stuff, um, went missing. According to the story, again, a rescue team, rescue team of Navy SEALs went to find them. And uh, according to the one source, never did, but found the video they had filmed. Government, according to this source, is blocking the release of that video. Atlantis TV Productions claims it's their property and demand its return, not to mention the fact they want their film crew back. Uh, Navy say, again, that they found this video in an abandoned fuel dump that the Russians used to use. It was about 100 miles away from there. And this is also interesting to note that there currently claims that there are at least three pyramids in Antarctica that have been found from satellite view. Um, One of them is sitting right on the coast, and there's two that are about 10 miles inland. And other sources um, claim that one of the things that they've uncovered down there, archaeologically speaking, are more of those really weird 
oblong skulls. And Wes will be able to uh, chime right in on this one because they're talking about the same kind of skulls that uh, Ron Moorhead was talking about when he was on Sasquatch Chronicles, talking about the Paracas skulls. The insider info is that these uh, Paracas skull people, the weird-looking people that the Bible would call the Anakim, actually uh, been the ones who were the residents of Antarctica before this whole glacial disaster happened there. And also as a side note, They've been for a long time trying to figure out how long Antarctica has been covered in the ice sheet. And popular, typical science says millions of years. However, there's other sciences that say that there's possible that plate slippage could have caused it or just that the poles moved position. And that suddenly put Antarctica, instead of somewhere near the tropic zone, as being down at the South Pole. So boom, froze solid suddenly. Well, the only thing that they've had information-wise, empirical data, to prove this one way or another just came up recently, where now that they had the scans of the surface underneath the ice sheet, they had been able to look at what the channels of water used to be before the whole continent froze solid. In other words, when there was no ice on it, where were the rivers? And there were big rivers. And where did they go into the ocean? And most of the continent where the shoreline is, is covered with ice and it goes miles out over the ocean. So now that they had found out where one of these huge rivers emptied into the ocean, they could go back and just a little ways off where shore is, they could set up a drilling platform, drill through the ice, through the water underneath it, and down into the sediment that had been deposited there by that river the last time that it was flowing. And because of that sediment having presumably some organic material in it, they can carbon-14 date it and tell how old it is. If it's older than that, they have to use uh, radioactive dating for it. But anyway, they got the samples for it, they brought them up, they used all the testing that they had, and they came up with the shocking conclusion that Antarctica's river stopped flowing and was frozen solid 10,000 years ago. So you're saying that Antarctica, it froze like instantly and all of a sudden crushed everything? Is that what you're saying? It was like a, a kind of a catastrophic event is that what you're saying kind of, yeah it kind of looks like the same thing that you may have remembered hearing a story like this when you were a kid because it's been around a long time and it's actually true that they keep digging up woolly mammoths in siberia just in you know a shallow layer in the permafrost mm-hmm. that are flash frozen looking and they've even found ones with fresh buttercups in their mouth still unchewed well, here's the other thing. Go back to the uh, Conspiracy Corner episode that me and Wes did where you're talking about the Nazis in World War II having so much interest in Antarctica. Part of the reason was is because they thought in the past, back in the olden days before the big flood and disaster and all that stuff happened, that Antarctica had actually been part of Atlantis and that the Atlanteans with their super high tech had been living there. And after the disaster, it was covered with an ice sheet, but some of their ruins and super high tech are probably still there. Yeah, and that's been one of the things, if you look up Antarctica, there's a whole bunch of uh, conspiracy uh, theorists that say that Atlanta, you know, Atlantis actually sits below Antarctica. So that's uh, a lot of people have been talking about that as well. That's that's super interesting. I, uh, I'm not sure if that's the info that I really wanted to hear, but uh, <laughs> it's just especially really with this new ma- this magnetic pole scummer away. I'm not I'm not sure if that's the info I want to hear, guys. Well, well and- that's one of the things they've always tried to assure us assure us the scientists anyway is that any sort of changes like that occur gradually over long periods of time, and more and more it looks like the evidence that we've got simply does not point in that direction, and in fact points to there being really sudden climate shifts and we could point to that even happening within the history of the last 2000 years where we had things like the maunder minimum when it was fine it was fine it was fine holy crap it's a mini ice age for like 60 years globally uh industrial pollution no 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 that was during the dark ages yeah antarctica is is an odd place i know we did those conspiracy corner shows uh, I learned a lot from it, and I don't know so much that's really a conspiracy. I mean, if you go back and watch a lot of the news reports with, I think it was Admiral Byrd, wasn't it, Duke? Yep. Yeah, he he alluded to the fact that there was um, something strange happened to him while he was there. Later, they found his diary, and it's kind of, some people think it's fake, some people think it's actually his diary, but he goes on to describe uh, seeing Woolly Mammoth still alive, he talks about running into these beings. They landed his plane. 
and how he came across the, all this grassy plain and there was rivers down there and he met some sort of beings they landed they actually physically landed his plane welcomed him and the interesting part is he went off the grid for about three hours the military didn't know what happened to him or his plane it just vanished then all of a sudden he came back on and he was flying back to the military base but it's it's strange if you go back and you look at antarctica with the nazi stuff that was going on with our own government what was going on you wouldn't think a big sheet of ice would be such interest to all of these places yet you can't fly over antarctica it's a no-fly zone uh, and as duke duke said on the uh, one of the last shows it's a no-go zone so you're not even welcome to go there and it you, makes you wonder why it's just a big sheet of ice right there's nothing important there yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the issues, apparently, with the Atlantis TV film crew, where they said, hey, why can't we go there? You don't own it. Nobody owns Antarctica. Yeah, getting off the, the serious note of Antarctica, you guys know there's, <laughs> there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of movies. Uh, I'm still, still on the Antarctica topic, but there's a lot of movies that are actually they are taking place. That, so they put this uh, Hollywood visual of they're, they're in Antarctica. And uh, I can't remember which movie it was, but they said that the DNA of the human race actually came from Antarctica. Does that ring a bell for you guys? Like they drilled down, got certain uh, certain amount of ice, uh, pulled the ice up, did carbon dating on it, and they found out that the human race actually started in Antarctica. You guys ever hear that before? That was a movie? Yeah, it was, it was a movie that I watched. Hmm. Wow, how did I miss that? That would have been cool. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that. I'll have to go back and you know it was one of those B movies. It wasn't it wasn't like a uh, you know, a big blockbuster movie. Right. It was a B movie that I was watching uh on a lonely night uh, I guess in my room watching Hulu, but uh I, hey, was, sometimes those B movies are better because they haven't got the huge budget to blow away on flashy special effects. They actually have a plot. And it actually yeah, it was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, they were saying that the there was something to do with the ice and they traced back the human race and the DNA somehow was trapped in this ice. I don't know. You know, guys, it was a science fiction movie. Uh, but it shows that, you know, people are definitely aware of the weird things that are happening happening in uh, Antarctica. You know, there's – and Duke, I think last time we talked on the show, you had brought up and said that there was more people that actually visited uh, Antarctica – yeah, you know, there's a bunch of this stuff that goes on sort of behind the scenes, and it isn't like announced on the the uh, NBC Evening News for all the world to know about. And we had already mentioned that Barack Obama had been down there, and then several months later, John Kerry had gone there. Uh, also, we I've subsequently found out that uh, Prince uh, Harry, I believe it was, was down there. One of the members of the uh, Spanish royal family was down there, too. So this is real interesting because some of the uh, – also the uh, patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, Kirill, was down there at the only church in Antarctica. And why are all these people all of a sudden interested in being down there? What's going on? So do you think it's some sort of uh, like a hideout uh, shelter at the, for the end of the world, like survival type thing? A honeycomb hideout. No, man, with all the deep underground military bases they got built all over the world, we've got, you know, 30 or 40 of them right underneath the U.S. All of the elites have got them. They got tons of them under Russia. They got tons of them under China. If it was going to be something like that, they just stay put, go underground. Boom, no problem. There's yeah. something else going on. Yeah, there's more going on than just a bunker. I think there's something, I don't even know what's going on there. It's not a bunker, though. There's definitely something interesting right. going on there. And if you go back and you look at World War II, and the Nazis and why they were so interested in it, it's enough to creep you out. Go into even our own government. Go back and watch. You can YouTube Admiral Admiral Byrd doing the interviews, and he alludes to the fact there's something there. I think they told him to shut his mouth after he did that interview. Uh, but there's one interview he did uh, where he almost came out and said there was other life there and that there was technology there and that that's why they were interested in the place. Right after that interview, you didn't see any more interviews with Admiral Byrd. <laughs> I think they told yeah. him to shut his mouth. Welcome back to the Renegade Podcast. 
we have, we're sitting here with Wes and Duke tonight. Uh, thanks again, guys, for being here. Merry Christmas to you guys. We are all three of us. We're kind of touching on Antarctica, and we kind of left off on Duke. Uh, Duke, well, let's go ahead and uh, let you finish that, and we'll move on to a couple other things. Go ahead, Duke. Well, just for the, the folks out there that maybe haven't heard too much about this whole weird thing, the um, beginning and end of World War II are tied into Antarctica. The beginning of World War II broke out when the Nazis actually claimed part of Queen Maud Land, which had been claimed by Norway. Now, at this time, these countries were actually making claims on it. Nowadays, not so much uh, of that after a treaty, but at that point, they were making actual land claims. And the Nazis flew around and dropped markers claiming 200,000 square miles of it oh, and taking it away from Norway. Now, this is before they annexed uh, the Sudetenland or did any aggressive moves anywhere in Europe. So this really was the first aggressive move in World War II. And then at the end of World War II, in 1946, early 1947, during what's the winter up here in the northern hemisphere in the summer down there, we sent an entire na naval task force down to Antarctica, uh, presumably to do some research on Antarctic weather and the, the gear they need for it. And they were supposed to be there for eight months, and somehow they managed to lose almost all their planes, a destroyer, and over 60 crew, and with their tails between their legs, after only eight weeks of the eight-month expedition, they turned around and headed back to South America and then up back to North America again. So if you want to know more about this whole thing, Two things that I could recommend, and one thing you could go on YouTube and look up for anything on the bell, the Nazi bell, and that'll tell you about some of the weird technology that they were working on. And also anything on Base 211. There's a bunch of stuff out there on Base 211, which is the base that they were building down there from 1938, uh, presumably until the end of the war, maybe even afterward. I hate to back you up on this, Duke, but... Uh, you said they were looking for the film crew. Was the film crew ever retrieved, or were they just they're presumed uh, goners? From what I've heard, they're uh, they have not been found. And the Navy guys nowhere to be found as well. Well, the Navy uh, <clears throat> they probably weren't too specific about which particular SEAL team it was that did this. What do you think about that, Wes? They sent the SEALs in he, to rescue. He's them like, and I'm looking at Wes. I'm looking at Wes across the table, and he's kind of like he's got the hmm. He's got the finger over the mouth. He's doing a lot of intense thinking here. <laughs> I think they're dead. I think they got down into those areas, and it's a top-secret area. I think there's technology being done in that area. Uh, might even be, um, I guess people think they're aliens. I don't believe in aliens, but uh, I think there's something else besides aliens. But Woody and I disagree on that. Um, and I think, they, I think they got into an area they weren't supposed to be. Yeah. And I think the SEAL team probably wiped them out. You know, no one owns that area. But you can, or maybe you can they were already wiped out when the SEAL team got there, oh, like something I else on the ice got I them. misunderstood. I thought part of the SEAL team also went missing. I must, I must have misunderstood. No, no. Well, we don't know that part of it. If, if any of them did go missing, they probably wouldn't tell us. They'd probably say it was a training accident somewhere else. That, that well, could, the story sounds like a BS story. It's like, oh, these people came up missing, but we found their camera. We found all the evidence they recorded. Yeah. And we're going to go ahead and hang on to that. But the, yeah. the whole team's gone. They're missing. I mean, it, the whole story sounds shady to me. Yeah, there's really? definitely something going on there. That's, that's And they find the video in an abandoned uh, Russian refueling station 100 miles away. And they never get nobody gets to see it except for a couple of people on the team that said, yeah, it showed all the ancient ruins and stuff underneath there and other things we don't want people to see. see and that's all we can say about it. Yeah, the whole thing's shady. You know, it's funny, our government, I mean, the government really does lie to people. And I think there, if we actually knew the truth of what was going on in this world, I think it'd be even more terrifying. It's kind of like the ambassador at, of of uh, Russia that got shot in Turkey. I mean, that, and I was just telling Woody that, I feel bad saying this if the guy really did die. But in my opinion, that whole, there's something not right about that video. That whole thing was completely staged. Uh, it looks staged. The Have you seen it, Duke? Have you seen the video? Yeah, I have, actually. Uh, apparently, uh, ISIS supposedly claimed credit for it. There was another ambassador inside of Russia that was found dead, apparently shot in the back of the head, and uh, apparently murdered around the same time. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't hear that portion. I did. I saw the video as well. Uh, the only thing that I have to say is... 
it looked to me it looked like there was something not right about the video almost like it was kind of scripted mm-hmm. uh, or like it was pre-planned right? and very well could be pre-planned i mean he was part of the part of the security task to take care of the ambassador yeah. and ended up shooting the guy I don't, I don't know. You know, there's well, a lot, of, there's the a lot of things that are being speculated out on Facebook. And a lot of them were saying that he was he was praying to the God. He was saying there was innocence. People were going to die for innocence. And brought up uh, Lepo. And he had brought up uh, a whole bunch of things uh, based on a different language after they, after they uh, translated the language. And there was a lot of things the guy was saying. I mean, I'm not fluent in the language, but there was a lot of things going on. Well, did you notice there's no blood? He shoots this guy several times in the back at close range. They're both wearing suits. There's no blood anywhere. And if you look at the photos of the guy laying there after he shot him, there's no entry or exit wounds in the back. And think about all the muscle tissue you go through. Think about all the organs you hit. You hit someone at close range like that several times in the back, even with a pistol, you're going to get some splatter back. You know, the other thing, too, is if you ever watch these world leaders, generally you never see their security staff, but they're everywhere. Even Trump, you know, even our our candidates or Hillary, you don't see the security staff around them. You'd never get within 20 feet of one of them, but you just don't see them. And if you watch this video, this guy's pacing back and forth like a wild animal behind this guy. And you would think it would alert some of the security staff, like what's wrong with him? Something's going on. These guys are trained observers. They're trained to look for this sort of thing. They're trained to look in a crowd and, and see who's not acting right and if you watch the video that guy pacing in the back like a wild animal he's not acting right and and he's the only security guy i'll have to go back and watch the video but from what i remember he's the only security guy you see pacing back and forth like a freaking wild animal and yet no one it just something about it doesn't seem right you're absolutely right he's the only individual in the background he's the only one he's the only one on camera and he's the only one that is in, in charge of the detail behind this guy. And he makes it very obvious that he's super nervous about something. And no one was tipped off about that. I find it kind of weird, too. I'm not, I'm not sure if it, you know, hey, I feel bad for the guy, the, the, the ambassador that was shot. And if, it, if this is actually a completely 100% true story, I feel really bad for, the, you know, for him. Yeah, and his family. And his family as well. staged his death so that they could get all kinds of information out of him. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that's not too far-fetched. That seems like something that could actually happen. I mean, look, I mean, look at the video. It's all over the Internet. If yeah. you watch it, it well, I'll tell you one thing how often fun. do we actually get something like this on film? Usually this comes no. this comes from a, a third-party source or something like that, and we yeah. never get to see something something like this. And he gives and a speech know, afterwards. Sorry, and, dude, I didn't mean to off. He, he gives a speech gonna, afterwards. And, it, okay, is this the only security guy for this guy? You know he's surrounded by 20 security guys. Those ambassadors don't just stroll in. Like ambassadors from other countries in our country, you wouldn't get within 20 feet of one of them. It's not like they walk around with one bodyguard. They walk around with several, like a security detail. Absolutely. And it's the same in that country. And yet he stands up there, gives a speech, and his speech is directed at Aleppo. And he's, you know, Allah Akbar or whatever those guys say. Allah Akbar. And and it's, it's just odd. He sits there and gives a speech afterwards. It just it doesn't add up. I'm telling you right now, something is fishy about this whole story. I agree. Yeah, like they tranked him. They took him away to bleed him for all the information they could get. They set up somebody that looked like him, made a fake made a movie of it. You know it wasn't done by Hollywood. It's not up to wag the dog standards because there was no splat, like Wes said. There wasn't any blood all over the place. Even a Hollywood production could have done a more realistic shooting. From all the people that I've shot in my past lifetime, I haven't had much blood splatter. But... <laughs> Uh, I've done a lot of hunting, and I've had blood splattered on me by a gutshot deer that somebody else shot jumping over my head. Yeah, I mean, and Wes is right. You know, I mean, with this video, there's there's definitely something I think that doesn't add up. I'm not sure what it is. And I think probably in the future, probably very soon, we're going to get the full story on this. I think there's more to it. Uh, And, you know, I think I think this is something probably in a couple shows we'll probably end up uh, touching on again. I think it's a false flag for war. Turkey and Russia have been looking for a chance to fight. Like it's a reason. Like yeah, it's looking for a reason. Is. Yeah, I think it's a false flag for war. I, I, I actually thought that too. Speaking of incidents, before we get done with everything, I'd really like to make a, uh, a heartfelt shout out uh, 
in commiseration with all the poor people over in Germany with that terrible uh, terrorist act of uh, the idiot driving the huge vehicle into the Christmas market the over there. Semi. Yeah, I feel I feel for those people as well. Did anybody actually come out and take claim for that yet? As far ISIS as claim credit for it. ISIS claim credit for that. I feel very bad for very bad for those people. What was the uh, the body count? Do we have a body count on that yet? I hadn't heard a final on that one. I just saw the video of the vehicle and resulting mess. And uh, so basically, this guy got this. This guy was driving a truck full of steel I beams. Uh, across the country in Germany from one place to another. I can't remember where he was. the destination was, but he was driving a steel truck, got hijacked probably at a rest area of some sort, of, of, of some sort. Uh, was shot, killed, and he would, the, this individual hijacked the truck, drove it through a Christmas... What it's a you, Christmas market, an outdoor A Christmas, Christmas market, I guess you call it, right? Yep. And people were injured, hurt. Uh, in Germany, and you know, our, our heart goes out to them. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious at this point Europe has fallen. Well, Europe needs to wake up and fight back and throw off their socialist overlords that are causing all this crap. Some of them are waking up. Well, I got a couple other things I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, let's do we have anything happy we can talk about before the show ends? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we're all about ready to just uh, you know, give up here and and <laughs> uh. We but go into politics. That seems to get pretty heated. I know it does. It gets <laughs> it gets heated. I, I, get heated and, and I feel like the Duke. Uh, let's I talk about the wall anymore. Duke, let's talk about the wall and how Mexico is going to pay for the wall. Totally awesome. <laughs> I want to quote one of my favorite uh, cartoon Christmas characters, Santa Bot. Your mistletoe is no match for my toe missile. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you, have you been drinking, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I actually get ornery if I drink. I got, I got something for you guys. Wes, we'll get to you right after this. Uh, sorry to interrupt you there. Look at you on the board. I'll send you a hot shot now. I'm I'm hot stuff, bud. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just teasing you. This is what I do. So for uh, seventy five grand, are you guys interested in going to space? Because if you are, uh, we have a this a balloon, and what it is, you can sail the stratosphere with a three hundred and sixty degree view. It's one of the the most affordable space travel options on the market. It's a high altitude balloon, a high altitude balloon filled with helium. It expands to about the size of a football stadium, and it's fully pressurized as a fully pressurized capsule, which allows you and five passengers and two crewmen, which pretty much, you know, take care of your ass, uh, to wear normal clothes and no suits. It has a bathroom, also has a refreshment bar, which I just see the word bar. But it also has internet access, and the duration of the trip is about five hours. And if you guys are interested, you need to book your tickets now because they're about $7,500 to uh, pre-book your tickets. Just don't book between the 25th or the 27th. And the 27th. <laughs> <laughs> that solar wave might get you. Uh, but how cool is that, man? actually gets you up in the stratosphere. Like I said, I'm not an astronomer, uh, and I don't know a whole lot about all the fear uh, – strat fears whatever they're called but uh i just saw pictures of it and it looks pretty cool it's a big capsule you can go up check out space do a little space travel you know what for a lot of people 7500 or 75 grand is a drop in the bucket how far up do they go it says they actually go up into the stratosphere i don't know what what that means as far as footage footage wise or miles wise i don't know what that means but the picture shows it up far enough to where uh you're definitely in the first first realms of space looking down on the earth it was pretty cool right so what if you get up there and the balloon pops well they didn't really uh they, they didn't really <laughs> talk about all the safety measures that were uh put into play but that was probably something that i would probably ask before i decide to buckle up and go on that thing whatever happened to just watching a sunset <laughs> like enjoying a sunset <laughs> specials from now until splashdown yeah screw that i wouldn't be interested in that i have no ambition to go really into space. i thought you'd probably be one of the first ones to do something no, like that i have no ambition to go into space really? yeah if they even if they offered me a million dollars to go up as an astronaut i would there's no way i would do it i have no interest in leaving the planet i barely like to leave the united states let alone leave the planet <laughs> that surprises me i didn't expect that of you yeah i, I thought I, you'd be gone no no interest at all i thought you'd break out your big checkbook and write a 7500 check <laughs> yeah right <laughs> 
Yeah. And I'm the one afraid of heights. I don't even like heights, and I'm interested. I'm ready to. I'm ready to. Can I borrow seventy five hundred bucks? For you? <laughs> it's no, just that, that's really cheap, actually. It is. That's what I said. Seventy five grand. There's actually a lot of um, people in the movie industry, actors and whatnot, that are that are interested in doing this. I don't know, man. It's kind of one of those things, you know, when you have kids and you have family, you, you want to come home at night. This is one of those moments to where is this a selfish thing to do? I'm not quite sure, but. I, I'm interested in it. I'm not sure if I'd do it. Would you do skydiving? Would you skydive? Oh, yeah. I would skydive in a heartbeat. See, what's the difference? You're in You're in something to where people are taking care of you. You don't even have to put a suit on. You don't have to put a parachute on. Yeah, Why would I don't you know. jump out of a perfectly good plane? I, oh, I would skydive in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would totally skydive. You know, I get a parachute. I'd totally do it. No, yeah. I wouldn't even think twice. I'd jump right out. But for some reason, leaving the planet in in on that level or going into space, I have no interest in that at all. What about you, Duke? Are you are you so so? I would are you and I you and I, I going in the stratosphere without Wes? What are we doing? Are we going to have we going to have uh, cocktails at uh, in the stratosphere or what? Well, I would actually take the balloon up. I think I don't like planes, and I would never skydive. But balloons are kind of fun, so I might consider doing that if I had like a parachute and an air tank. Well, I thought Just, it was yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. You know what? On this topic uh, of skydiving, West, you know we were supposed to do the weigh in this week. Are we going to do the weigh in? Oh yeah, I didn't grab a scale. I just thought about it. The weigh in, brothers. Yeah, we'll have to grab a scale next time. I didn't bring. Oh, it. so we're going to put it off this another week. So Wes is trying to. So people, let me explain. Well, something it's, to you, you know you got to have it closer to New Year's. He forgets you nothing. Your resolution battle. <laughs> he forgets he just nothing. Just at a time to work up the the fervor, the fever, the anticipation amongst the fans. That are going to be doing all kinds of side betting on this. That's what I'm saying. He's super bright. He's already got. He's already got his plan in action. You know, you could have brought a scale. <laughs> this is a two way street. Well, you could be cheating and start starving now too. What's stopping you? Uh, no, so, no. I, I'm. I've been eating a lot. I want to put on. A, uh, you know, an extra uh, twenty pounds. That's what I'm saying. He's yeah. he's eating. I've already thought. He's thought eating like a fatty right now. Yeah, and he's trying to get all. He's trying to get all fatty. Yeah, and so when I it comes to the, when it comes to the actual weigh in. And towards time to get down to business, he's gonna he's gonna drop he's gonna drop weight like a ton of bricks. Yeah, and you're gonna pay me a hundred bucks, and I'm gonna pay. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go. We're, so this is gonna be episode four weigh in. Episode yeah, yeah. Four. Let's do it. Now. I really don't have a scale. Okay. If I had a scale, I'd say let's do it. Uh-huh. You could have brought a scale. You have a scale. Oh yeah, I'm just as guilty as you are. I'm not saying you're at fault. You're at complete. <laughs> that doesn't sound like that, prosecutor <laughs> Perry Mason. Uh, <laughs> all right. Just make sure you're plenty hydrated when you go for the weigh-in, Woody. Oh, so you got oh, trust me. I'm going to be fatty number two. I, I, got, <laughs> I, got, I got I got his number. I got his number. <laughs> fatty number two. Wes, before I interrupted you earlier, before we went to the, went to the uh, space travel thing, you had something you wanted to say. So I wanted to go oh, back to that. Oh, yeah. I got a funny story for you guys. Only in Kentucky. Oh, good. Two men pocket-dialed 911 allegedly <laughs> i can't even get through this out laughing they uh they were discussing a plot to rob the barbecue joint they were parked in the parking lot and one of these numbnuts accidentally hit it he hit 911 and it was in his pocket well as the uh operator sitting there listening to uh what is it robert Bourne and david gridsby uh they were sitting in their car outside the brothers barbecue in danville and as a 911 operator sitting there listening to these two numbnuts, uh, just, you know, talking about robbing the place, uh, here's, where the, here's where it gets really funny. Um, <laughs> this is such a dumb story. Um, the, the chief of police was sitting inside eating at the time. Oh, and, my God. And so they, uh, <laughs> the 911 operator... Uh, they they put out this thing saying these two guys are you know because they can locate your phone when you call nine one one, but they um, they contacted nine one one. The police chief walked out middle of his meal, and he's on the phone with the nine one one operator, and she's explaining to them where they're at. He confronts them, and uh, according to this article, they might have been sloshed at the time, which is shocking. <laughs> these two geniuses, uh, I guess they had been drinking a little bit. Sitting in this car, and uh, you want cheese with that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the dumbest. These guys are the dumb. I mean, I don't even know what to say. You well, no, you said it only in Kentucky. Sorry, Kentucky. Yeah, exactly, Duke. You can't even script it. I mean, if <laughs> if someone else said the story, you'd think, oh, that's a BS story. But it's amazing. It's an amazing story. 
it's funny you brought that up about the burger things. Uh, I have something I want to share with you guys. So there's a new thing that's happening uh, with animal activists. What they're doing is they're going to new levels and exposing animal cruelty. People are what well, basically what they're doing is they're dressing themselves down in their underwear. So they're going down to their underwear, and what they're doing is taking hot iron and they're heating it up with torches. And it has numbers on it. I think it was like six, seven, nine, or seven, eight, nine. I don't remember what the numbers were. But what they're doing is they're branding themselves like cattle. So they're holding people down, brawn panties, guys in their underwear. And this is there's this a big tent. This is like a circus tent where all this is happening. And they're branding people covered in blood. They've got like cow blood, uh, pig blood. I think it is. And they're like they're like covered in all this blood. It's 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 like the craziest thing I've ever seen. I saw that. Did you see yeah. that? And then at the end of it, after they've been branded, they take them into another place uh, led by a chain and collar by a human individual into uh, some sort of like shelter, or I would call it a barn maybe. What they do is put them in plastic bags, cover them up like plastic bags in order to – like it's beef. Like it's – you know, here's your product. It's been branded, slaughtered. It's bloody. Put put in a a package, a plastic package – and it's ready for consumption. What the hell is wrong with people? I know. I can't even imagine. So if someone said that to me, I'd be like, you're nuts. You're completely nuts. What is wrong with people? It seems like you could go- you're, uh, the, redo the movie Silent Green. Uh, I'm not familiar with the movie. What was the movie called? Silent Green. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's a futuristic society, uh, like not too far ahead of where ours is. And there's all kinds of food riots going on because there's not enough food. So the government develops this new sort of thing that looks like a little candy bar, but it's green. And it's called Silent Green, and it's really yummy. And Charlton Heston's the star of the movie as he he saves the earth yet again and finds out at the end that, (laughs) yes, in fact, Silent Green is made 100% out of dead people. Gross. Anyways, I don't know if that was uh, was information that you guys really wanted to hear about the. Uh, no, I saw that. I, I did see that on Facebook. Well, cannibalism is bad. That's gross. You know, all sorts of bad things are attached to cannibalism, including that one brain disease called Kuru that the natives that eat their dead get, where they all it's just like uh, uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, the uh, mad cow disease, uh, except for humans. And gives them sort of the same effect and everything. In fact, there's even been conjecture that that's what happened to Hillary. But, uh, you know, nobody's been able to prove that. <laughs> yeah, well, you may not be too far off. You uh, may not be too far off. That's the same kind of twitchy, you know, one eye, like, trying to leave your face. And, you know, some of the little uh, other weird twerks that she's it reminds, got. Going. It reminds me of the book of Eli. You guys ever see that movie? Yeah, that movie was it's, awesome. It's like when they get to the, when they're when they're doing cannibalism, they get the twitches. Yeah, they make them show their hands. Yeah. I like that movie. That's exactly what it reminds me of. Maybe that's when it, that's what's going to happen after we get that magnetic pulse. Yeah, yeah. that that worries me, guys. I am not going to I'm not going to Is it going to be a desert? Are we going to have to wear goggles? No, Are we going to be cannibals? Well, look at the positive side. A lot of these horrible catastrophes can't coincide with each other. So if we're going to get huge electromagnetic pulse, you can quit worrying about nanotech. Nanotech's actually a real thing, I think. Do you think it's actually real? Yeah, it is, but a big electromagnetic pulse will kill that just like it will anything else electronic. I, I think if uh, EMP hits us, I, I don't think I'll be too worried about nanotech at the time. <laughs> you don't have to worry about well, this. is going to be like, where's my internet? i got a show to do. Yeah, I'll have other than- <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the true book of Eli if we get hit with an EMP. Yeah, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary to think about, actually. That's why they always say nuclear war. Everyone's worried about nuclear war with Russia. Nuclear war doesn't bother me. It's, you know, them firing off an EMP in our atmosphere above the United States. That would do worse than if they sent us a couple nukes our way. Yeah, leave us virtually defenseless, and then they could just walk right in and take over. Well, hey, you guys, let's take, a, let's take one more break. And uh, I got a couple other things to cover, and we'll probably wrap the show up after that here pretty soon. Welcome back to the Renegade Podcast. We're sitting here with Wes and Dude. Uh, guys, I, I got a couple other things before we wrap the show up. There's one thing I want to talk to you guys about. 
Guys, we're actually using uh, fish scales to help heal people that have significant burns, like third-degree burns. Have you heard the story yet? Wow, I hadn't heard that. No, I hadn't heard that either. All right, so fish fish scales. Man, I'm having a hard time talking. must be getting late. You that or had too many beers. Uh, (laughs) So fish scales, actually, they're using to help uh, heal human skin. Uh, Maria da Silva is the first person to have burns treated with fish, fish scales. Her face, neck, and arms received burns uh, from a gas cooker at work. Doctors dressed her wounds with tilapia skin, which tilapia is a type of fish, for people who don't know. Yeah. Tilapia skin instead of uh, ointments. The fish skin actually sped up the recovery process by providing high levels of collagen and proteins, which is important for the, the act of healing for the human body. Uh, it trapped moisture, plasma, and proteins and lessened the risk of Infection. Now, you guys, when I saw this first thing, it was actually on Facebook. When I saw this, I was like, what the hell am I watching? It was kind of funny because they took this lady's arm, which was obviously completely fried. It looked like an oil oil burn of some sort uh, or a steam burn, maybe a steam. So we're talking something that's like super, super painful. And what they did is they cut away all the dead skin and they took the uh, these tilapia, which are a type of fish cut them up into pieces and then what the, instead normally with the skin you know how you dress it with like a uh you would put a certain type of ointment you might even have a, a skin graft done to where the cells would actually merge and it will heal well what they and you would see it dressed in like a uh ace bandage type gauze type thing all dressed up well what they did instead of doing that is they fully <laughs> I, I always put it in like the most simple terms and, and the way i see it is like uh, somebody got these fish and they filleted these fish and they took the skin from the, fli- the fish, put it around the burn, and it made it to where it would adhere, adhere to the burn. And the recovery time, I guess, was uh, enough to make actually make the news. So it was something uh, fairly new that we're looking at. I'm not sure if that would be the route that I would go if someone said, "Hey, I got a, I got a tuna over here, and I don't, I want to, I want to dress your burn with a tuna, <laughs> but you know, or a tilapia, but." You know, it's something definitely to think about. And I do know with fish, there's a lot of uh, research that is involved with fish as far as thing, healthy reason-wise. I mean, look, we're supposed to take fish oil for certain reasons. There's a lot of things that go with fish. So I found it kind of interesting. Uh, what are you guys' yeah, thoughts? Yeah, that is interesting. That's really interesting. I'd never heard of such a thing. It's awesome that they're developing something like that. And, you know, comparing technologies, I'd much rather go for the uh, fish-scale dermal replacement than the head transplant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I agree with you on that. I'd probably I'd probably do this before the tra- head transplant. Uh, last up, you know, if you guys ever have a hot date, uh, I ran across this thing on the internet. Uh, this is the robotic kitchen, and I really this is something I'm going to purchase for Wes for Christmas. Uh, and what it is is it's a uh, it's a, well here just let me read it for you, and then I'll give you my my dumbed down version of what it is. It's the world's first automated and intelligent cooking robot. It features robotic arms and an oven and also a hood, a cooking hood. BBC's master chef, Tim Anderson, was recorded with motion capture technology so the robot robot can fully be articulated hands, can mimic his movements, and can cook you the, mo- can cook you the most almost excuse me almost anything and you almost anything you want and can be operated by its touchscreen or by a smartphone. This thing was really cool, you guys. Did you guys see this at so all? It makes food, makes you a meal. Yeah, what it does is it's 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 this robot that's uh, up in your ceiling, and you punch in this thing on either on a smart smartphone or a touchscreen. You pick a meal. This thing comes down, and how it knows where all the ingredients and everything is is beyond me. I don't really know, but it was really cool. They showed it in action, and it was picking up and it was cooking, and uh, it was funny. After it made you a meal, uh, when it was all said and done, it was doing the dishes. Wow, even cleans up, huh? Yeah. Oh, man, every bachelor's dream. I think I'd fall in love with her, right? Yeah. I think I would be a her. I'm kidding. Looks like they just solved the wife problem. Hate mail's going to (laughs) come. Drop the birth rate, right? Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. That is awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. You know, you want want some special dish tonight, or you have a date come over, and all of a sudden the robot. Who needs a date? You got something, you know what I mean? (laughs) I want a special dish every night if I got an automated cook for me. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. 
Uh, and I thought of Wes. I, I should have told him before wow. we were coming on the show about it. But <laughs> You thought of me, huh? Yeah, I thought of you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you get me one of those, and you're, you're going to start calling it Mrs. Germer. You're going to show <laughs> it some respect. <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool. I, I don't know when it's going to come out or if it's even available to the public. But uh, can you imagine, man? You're like, you're cruising home, right? And this is what I pictured. Cruising home from work. You grab your right. Of course, you're not driving while you're on your iPhone or whatever device you have. Just push the button on your iPhone. Push your iPhone. I want uh, T-bone steaks. Uh, you pick your sides, whatever. You come home. But it's perfectly cooked for you. You do go about your business, have your dinner, have, don't, have your friend. Don't look Dom Perignon since you're going to have a girlfriend show. It'll even pour you a glass of wine. I mean, they showed the same. Sounds like, like a dream. It, it showed the same. It was like the Jetsons, guys. It was like the Jetsons all over. Uh, it, 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 it really did look like the Jetsons. And I was like, I always wanted their servant robot. I mean, will it scrub <laughs> your back for you while you're in the bath? I mean, I don't know. You yeah. know, I mean, it was it was pretty cool. Was it? Was there robots? Well, I, I think I'd probably stop at dinner and <laughs> washing the dishes. I don't know that I, don't, I want it in the bath with me. I, I'm not going to say I'm have relations with the thing. I'm just saying. I just saying. Yeah. Sky's the limit, right? Well, uh, not necessarily with the female robot. I wouldn't say sky's the limit. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, well, dishes and dinner are okay. Uh, let's leave it. Let's stay friends. I was joking about the Mrs. Germer thing. We'll stay friend. We'll call it roommates. <laughs> you're getting a little off track there, buddy. You, you take you gonna throw up over there? <laughs> Woody muted himself out. You take it down a few notches. Oh my god. I'm okay with like what Duke said. <laughs> What he's like throwing up. I'm okay with what Duke said. You know, servant robot. We'll, we'll leave it at that. This ain't the happy ending at the massage parlor. You know what I mean? Just the servant or robot. Oh, yeah. Man. Make the dinner, cool the bottle of wine for my date. And you know what? He's been lonely for a while Ugh. when he starts talking about, hey, when I'm in the bath, they can come in and rub my back. I'm like, I'm what sorry, are you man. talking about? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm done for now. This is going to be in. I can't even go backwards on this one. Okay, now that we're all dead. Okay, on that note, you guys. On that note, uh, you guys. You guys got anything else or good for tonight? Everybody, be careful out there on the holidays. Go, don't be drunk and driving on Christmas. Yeah, no drinking and driving, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, Duke. Merry Christmas to you, Wes. Merry Happy Christmas, holidays. fellas. Merry Christmas, Gerber brothers. Thank you for joining us on the Renegade Podcast. We'll see you here probably, I don't know, maybe, probably sometime after maybe the holidays, maybe the New Year's, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. But thanks for joining the show, everyone. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you all. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Wes. Thanks, Duke. Appreciate you guys being here.